0: Good morning. If you would please open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 23. I will say this one was a tough one to plan. I, I realized as I was preparing this sermon that I was going to end up with about an hour and a half long sermon. So I figured I'd cut that up into uh, pieces. <laughs> so uh, We are not looking at the full Full chapter today. But this here is Jesus' teaching in the last week before he would be brought to the cross. And it's this specifically that they use as as fuel for that fire. They use to say that he was being a rebel. And it is this that has well caused a lot of controversy controversy over the years of what people believe. So I want to ask, in times of trouble, where do you turn? In times of trouble, what do you look to? Many people obviously call 911. Depending on what the emergency is, you may need that. Some people call their friends. The car breaks down. Well, I may not know how to fix this, but I know a guy who can definitely fix it. I know a guy who can definitely help me out here. Or maybe you turn to your family. In times of war, nations look to the U.S. Nations always wonder, okay, what is the US or U.S.'s response going to be? Are they going to send troops? Are they going to send uh, money? In the days when this was set, people looked at a certain place. That is the temple. Yet Jesus here is foretelling the destruction of the temple and all of these things all of these places that we turn to they are not sufficient for our needs beginning in verse 1 then as he went out of the temple one of his disciples said to him see what manner of stones and what buildings are here and Jesus answered and said to him do you see these great buildings not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? And Jesus, answering them, began to say, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many but when you hear of wars and rumors of wars do not be troubled for such things must happen but the end is not yet for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be earthquakes in various places and there will be there will be famines and troubles these are the beginnings of sorrows but watch out for yourselves For they will devour you up to councils, or deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Now brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. So when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down into the house, nor enter to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes, but woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter. For in those days there will be tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the creation which God created until this time, nor ever shall be. And unless the Lord has shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he chose, he shortened the days. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, he is there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. But take heed. See, I have told you all things beforehand. Let us pray. God, as Your Word challenges us to trust in You and You alone, I pray that we would let go of everything we cling to. Everything that we turn to in times of trouble, I pray that we would surrender to You. God, keep us. Help us to endure to the end. Lord, your word says that when we are challenged on our faith, not to premeditate what we will say, but to that you will tell us in that hour. So, Lord, I pray that when times of trouble come, we would trust in you. We would lean on you, depend on you. God, give us ears to hear and eyes to see your goodness and your word. We ask this in your name. Amen. So the first thing that we see here, the first place that people run to in these days, was the temple. And one of the disciples says, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. In other words, look at how amazing this temple is. And what does Jesus say in response to him? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. I want you to think for a moment. I can can pick up a pretty decent-sized rock. I'm a fit man. Uh, Almost fit. Um, These are stones that are larger than me. Think about like a smart car. That's the size of stone that we're talking about here. And Jesus is saying that they will be thrown down. Not one of them will be left standing. That seems just about impossible. Surely nothing could happen to that building. Surely nothing would ever destroy that temple, right? Well, skipping ahead to verse 14, he begins to talk about the abomination of desolation. He says it's spoken of by Daniel. In Daniel, it talks about these these pagan uh, rituals and sacrifices that were being offered. And so Jesus is using that here to refer to what the Romans will eventually do. This is somewhere around A.D. 30. In A.D. 70, the Romans would sack Jerusalem and destroy the temple. You see, in, in the years leading up to that, one of the Roman leaders desecrated the, the Jewish temple. One of the Roman leaders went in and took from the Jewish temple, what was to be offered as a sacrifice. Now for the the Jews, they were okay with a lot of things. In fact, at Jesus' crucifixion, they said, "We, we serve no one, we have no king but Caesar. In other words, we want to be part of the Roman Empire, we are surrendering to the Roman Empire, but you don't mess with their temple. They were strict on that temple because that was where the presence of God was dwelling. That was where God lived. Yet the Romans went in and took from the temple. So they revolted. Now up until this point, from Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection to roughly A.D. 70, The Christians were not thought of as a separate religion. They were thought of as just a sect of Judaism. They were a part of Jewish culture. That's why in Acts, they're always preaching at synagogues because they were going to the Jewish synagogues. They were part of Judaism. They would preach there. Yet here, he says, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, standing where it ought not, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down into the house, nor enter to take anything out of his house. This is exactly what we see when we look at historical accounts of this event. As the temple was being destroyed, when they recognized what was happening, the Christians fled because they, they don't need the temple. We have been made into temples by God. The Holy Spirit dwells within us as believers. The Holy Spirit lives within us. So we don't need a temple to go to and make sacrifices. We don't need a temple to go to and have somebody pray for us. Jesus is our sacrifice. The sacrifice has already been made. Jesus is our mediator. We can pray to God on our own. So we don't need the temple. And so when the, the Jewish people and the Romans started fighting, The Christians fled. And what ended up happening is the temple was destroyed. No stone left upon another. Jesus' words were fulfilled. Everything that Jesus said here came to pass. There was no stone left upon another. Elsewhere in uh, in the Gospels, Jesus says that it will never be rebuilt. And there was a Roman emperor, sometime in the 300s. He figured, you know what? Good way to prove Christianity wrong? Rebuild the temple. If I can disprove what Jesus said here, then the entirety of Christianity is wrong because Jesus would have been a liar. So he took it upon himself and the the prowess of the Roman Empire to rebuild the temple. Now, I don't know the exact circumstances, but under mysterious circumstances, everyone who was in charge of that ended up dying. So he hired more people. More people started dying. God will not be made a fool. God said that it would be destroyed, no stone would be be left upon another, and it would never be rebuilt. And that is exactly what has happened. In fact, today, if you go to the Temple Mound... You know what's there? There's a mosque. Not a Jewish temple. An Islamic mosque. So at this point is when we see the social separation of Judaism and Christianity. Again, up until this point they 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 were just a sect of Christianity or a sect of Judaism. We believe the same things, have the same scriptures. They just believed that the Messiah had already come. Well, at this point is when they start to be viewed as another, uh, another religion, because we don't need a temple. You know, when Jesus died, the veil was torn. The way the temple was set up, you had different sections of it that different priests would go into at different times based on what festival or what offering was being given. And once a year, a priest would go into the the Holy of Holies. The high priest would go in there. That is where the presence of God dwelt. That is where the presence of God was. You would go into the Holy of Holies and plead for the people. And there was this thick, thick veil there to block off, to designate, this is the Holy of Holies, this is outside. Yet when Jesus was on the cross, that veil was torn. There was no more separation between God and man. God now lives within us. There is no separation. You don't go to a temple. We don't have to travel to go see God. We don't have to travel to go and be prayed for, to offer sacrifices. We have the blood of Christ within us. We have the sacrifice already paid for and we have the Holy Spirit living within us, not in a temple, not in a far-off location. Right here, right now, God is here with us. We are now temples. After that, Jesus begins teaching about uh, more social issues, the, the wars, the tragedies. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of all, the, all when all these things will be fulfilled? And Jesus, answering them, began to say, Take heed that no one deceives you. Take heed that no one deceives you. Notice he doesn't answer the question right away. Later on, as we'll look at next week, he will say that no one knows the day or the hour. No one knows when Jesus will return. No one knows the day when we will uh, be resurrected from the grave and brought up to heaven. No one knows when that will happen, but we know that it will. And what we also know is that we will face trials and tribulations here. And that there will be people who will attempt to lead you astray. You know, on, on Wednesday we talked about, in Revelation, the church in, the loveless church, they would, they didn't care for one another, didn't care for the gospel, didn't love people, but they did hold preachers and prophets accountable. They checked what they said with scripture. That is a good thing to do. And I challenge you to take my words, what I say on Sunday morning, on Wednesday evenings, and compare it with scripture. We're supposed to do that. We're supposed to because we could be led astray. Now, I'm, I will make my promise. I will do all in my power not to lead people astray. But you never know. People can be deceptive. Back in the early church days, back in the uh, second century AD, there was this man, Montanus. And Montanus taught that he was essentially God's mouthpiece on earth. If it didn't come from him, don't believe it. And so people worshipped him. He was trying to lead people astray. That goes back way to the beginning of the church. Later on, in 600-something A.D., there was an illiterate man, Muhammad, who claimed to have received this divine... Message from God. And that was the basis of one of the biggest religions in the world today, Islam. It was from Muhammad. Now, if you look at the life of Muhammad, it's clear that uh, he was really doing anything he could for profit, for his own gain, his own benefit. Joseph Smith, founder of Mormonism, He claimed to have received this divine revelation through these gold plates that he found in the woods and these rocks that he had to look through. Claimed to have seen a New Testament of Christ and founded the Mormon Church. And then in recent years, uh, just a couple decades ago, we we see the FLDS Church. There's the LDS, which is what we commonly refer to as Mormons, and then there's FLDS, Fundamentalist Latter-day Saints. And the fundamentalists tend to still practice um, polygamy, still practice uh, well child marriage. Very horrible, horrible practices. And currently, the leader who's been in jail for decades, Warren Jeffs, not to be confused with our Warren Jeff Whitmire, but Warren Jeffs, the leader of the fundamentalist Latter-day Saints, he teaches... In a way that he, he can manipulate people and make them believe that if it doesn't come from him, then it's not true. And if it comes from him, then it's a word of God. There is a, a church that I uh, had some friends that went to back in Jacksonville. And the pastor got up one morning and said, I can't talk to you about the resurrection of Christ because I, I sat face to face with the resurrection of Christ and told this story about how he had coffee with Jesus just earlier that week. And what he was doing was just manipulating people for his own gain. He ended up using that to just run the church as a dictator, to manipulate people so that he could spend funds however he wanted. In fact, he ended up buying an $800,000 house, sold it to the church a month month later for 1.2 million, pocketed $400,000. People will try and manipulate for their own gain. People will try and lead you astray for their benefit. Jesus is telling us here this is what will happen. Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. You know, as I was preparing for this, I, I looked up. Uh, there was a man about two years ago that people were claiming was the Messiah. He was in Israel. They were claiming that he was the Messiah. He was doing these miracles. And so I, I was trying to figure out what his name was, and I looked him up. Turns out there is a whole list of people that claim to be the Messiah. You can find it on Wikipedia. It goes back to about the first century A.D. There are tons and tons of people who make these claims, but none of them have risen from the grave. None of them die to death That was not deserved. None of them left an empty tomb other than one Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one who we are to trust. And so when he says, Take heed that no one deceives you, we need to take heed that no one deceives us, whether by claiming to be a prophet, by teaching what is against the gospel. We must not be deceived leaders are insufficient if you have a leader in whatever area of life and they do things that are against scripture against the gospel you need a new leader you need a new leader if they are not in line with scripture which that also means that we need to study scripture you can't realize when you're being if you're being deceived if you don't know what to believe in the first place you have to know what scripture teaches, what it says. There are also political leaders. I think it's pretty well known that Congress, uh, they, they're not the greatest. Congress tends to uh, vote for legislation that will benefit them. Many pe- members of Congress can be bought for a small price. Yet we often idolize political leaders In fact, in these days, they would worship the emperor. There was emperor worship going on in these days. Going back to uh, ancient Egypt, the pharaoh was considered a god, was considered a deity. Now, this is not as widespread today, but that still can happen. That still does happen. There is a video that is kind of funny, but also really sad. This man gets pulled over, he's live streaming on Facebook as he's driving, gets pulled over, begins praying to Donald Trump to save him. I mean, it's funny to watch, but it's also sad. He's putting his faith and his hope in a man. In just a person. That will not suffice. That will not save us. In the video, he ended up getting a ticket regardless. Regardless. Jesus is the only one who will save us. He is the only one strong enough to redeem us. Take heed that no one deceives you. And as you trust in God, don't be surprised when you hear about wars, rumors of wars. At this point in global politics, there's stuff going on in Ukraine with Russia still. Stuff going on in Gaza it can be scary. It can be scary thinking about what's going to end up happening. In Texas, there's a big situation between the federal government and the Texas government. And you have states backing whoever they think they, that is in the right. It can be scary thinking about what might happen in the future. Luckily, we don't have to. We don't have to worry about that. Jesus promised us that there will be wars, and rumors of wars. Such things must happen, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. But watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, You will be beaten in the synagogues you will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake for a testimony to them and the gospel must first be preached to all nations it sounds pretty grim at this point there's wars famines earthquakes disasters we're going to be beaten brought before councils this is it's it's rough it's hard to hear but it doesn't end with that It doesn't end with pain and suffering. It doesn't end with us losing, with God losing. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak, but whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. In that moment, When times are rough, when times hurt, when you're struggling, when people are mocking you, trust the Holy Spirit. The temple will not suffice. Leaders are insufficient. But the Holy Spirit will sustain you. The Holy Spirit is one you can put your trust in. The Holy Spirit is the one who will speak through you. The Holy Spirit is the one who will guide you. It does not leave us on a a sour note. Yes, there's all kinds of things going on. Jesus promised that all these things would happen. And we see in AD 70, many of these things did happen. The temple was destroyed. The Christians fled from Judea. Many of these things did happen. What also happened is that the Holy Spirit empowered faithful men and women to proclaim the gospel to stand firm in the faith the first martyr that we have recorded stephen he was being stoned and he wasn't saying god stop them he wasn't saying god save me He said father forgive them they know not what they do Father, do not hold this sin against you, against them. He almost exactly repeated what Jesus said on the cross. Stephen was empowered by the Holy Spirit to pray for those who hurt him. And as we see later, if you read through the book of Acts, there was a young man there, a young Pharisee named Saul. Saul was the one who condemned him, who, who justified them putting him to death, who approved of it. And then on the road to Damascus, as he was going to well, persecute, possibly kill more Christians, Jesus appeared to him. Jesus appeared to him, and his life was forever changed. He changed his name to Paul. Jesus changed him from the very core. And I don't think that's a coincidence. That is because of the faithful prayer of a man who was being stoned. God honored that because it was the Holy Spirit who was speaking through him. This passage is it is scary. But it doesn't end with that. The crux of it, the center of it, is that whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. In trials and struggles, the Holy Spirit will empower you. In times of suffering, the Holy Spirit is with you. On the good days and the bad days, the Holy Spirit is with you. Now brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Who is it that causes us to endure? It's God. It's the Holy Spirit. He who endures to the end will be saved. And then looking at verses 21 through 23, If anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, he is there, do not believe it. False Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. But take heed. See, I have told you all things beforehand. Jesus has told us that we will face trying times. Now, in the place we live, we may not be stoned to death for believing in Christ, but we still face trials, we still face pain, suffering, we still have hardships, trust in God, trust in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only one who is sufficient for our needs. Put your hope in him and him alone. So let me ask you this morning, where have you placed your faith? Is your faith in Christ and in his spirit? Or is your faith in the world, things that it gives? I want to read with you from the song we sang just a little bit ago. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Trust and obey. Let us remember that, not just in good times, not when everything's all right. Trust and obey when things are going wrong. Trust and obey in the hard times. Now, as the Lord leads you, would you come down Let us pray. Father God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you have not abandoned us. You have not proclaimed death over us and then just left. You have not proclaimed trials and tribulations and then left us to deal with it on our own. Lord, thank you that we do not have to place our faith in a broken temple system and sacrifices we must offer and in priests that are corrupted so that we can place our trust in you, our one mediator, the one who offered the sacrifice and who was the sacrifice. God, I pray that in all that we do, we would honor and glorify you.